It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Welcome to Behind the Braves, the official podcast of the Atlanta Braves. In Braves country, we are so excited for you to meet our new proud sponsor, Billy Reed. Now, Billy is an award-winning fashion designer who is redefining global style from his home base in the Shoals in Alabama. He is also a diehard baseball fan who grew up cheering on the Braves, and he offers a line of Atlanta-inspired hats, t-shirts, and accessories that embody the soul of our city. Billy and his team craft luxurious, made-in-the-USA shirts, denim, and more, all with a timeless modern style that will have you wearing them again and again. Experience them for yourself at his two Atlanta shops, one in Buckhead and one at White provisions or discover them online at billyreed.com that's billyreed r-e-i-d.com Welcome, everybody, to the latest edition of Behind the Braves, presented by Billy Reed, the official podcast of the Atlanta Braves. I'm Ricky Mast of MLB.com, virtually on Zoom, alongside uh, Director of Braves Alumni Relations, Greg McMichael. And Greg, our 69th episode of Behind the Braves, uh, presented by Billy Reed. And uh, got a fun one today. Guy who's still one of the many Braves alums that still live here in Atlanta, in the Atlanta area. A guy that I loved to watch uh, when he was playing. Uh, before I started working in baseball, I was still just a fan. Dan Ugla, all-star, second baseman with the Braves. Of course, and I, I bring this up in the interview, uh, the 33-game hitting streak that was just so much fun to, to be a part of and watch. And he had some big moments in a Braves uniform. So, uh, And he's one of these guys now after having talked to him. This is my first time uh, like talking with him today. He's one of these ones that I always kind of like seeing him interviews or from afar. I'm like, he seems like he's just an easygoing, like, fun loving guy like like easy to talk to and that's exactly how he is uh really really nice guy so and one of one of uh i guess the how would you term the one of the newest uh, braves alums because he's only been out of the game what a couple years if that if that even so uh yeah he's one of your one of your some of your fresh blood in the in the braves alumni yeah yeah he's well actually believe it or not it's been five years i mean he's is it really yeah he's pretty young i think he's 40 wow. Um, uh, but Dan has got one of the great, and I, I tell him this, he's got one of the great all time, uh, good, you know, baseball names. And anytime I'm around him, you know, people are like, Hey, Ugla, they, they love, they love talking to Dan. Of course, a part, a lot of it's his personality. He is down to earth and, and fun to talk to. It is interesting. There's a group of alumni that have just retired in the last five years. So I would put Medlin in that category, Kelly Johnson, um, you know, Dan, um, Pete Moylan, so Nick Green. There's been there's a group of those guys that have retired that live here in Atlanta. It seems like um, 
there were more guys back in our day that lived here. And uh, maybe that was just because of success and guys were around, um, you know, were on multiple teams. But the next group of guys that um, that have just retired are living here. So I'm just building relationships with them. I'm just getting to know them. It's been a lot of fun. Of course, you know, they're younger and they played back in the 2000s. And um, and so it's been it's been a lot of fun. But Dan's definitely one of those guys that's gotten involved with the uh, with the alumni association and has been at our functions we've done some uh, old timers games together we he's been to alumni weekend alumni sunday so we played golf uh it's it's been a lot of fun getting to know them and and kind of uh getting involved with the next what i would call the next generation of of uh of alumni so but you're right he he's a lot of fun to talk to i think everybody's going to enjoy this this time with him uh, let's see. Was he in the last time we had uh, alumni weekend? Was he in the uh, the alumni home run derby? Am I remembering that right? I believe he, he has was. been in it before. Um, I think he was. So because yeah. uh, I remember younger guys, Frenchie, Ugla, yeah. and and um, and then it was Johnny Estrada and Clasco, Brian Jordan. And it was three on three. I can't remember the third guy. Ugla, Frank Hoor, Oh, Andrew. Andrew Jones. I think it was three on three. Because I want to say that, you know, there may have been some friendly wagers in the press box leading up to that one. And all I remember was like, I just, just give me Ugla. Like, I, I, want, I, want, <laughs> I don't care if he's retired. He's still got those Popeye R. Oh, yeah. Still hit it a million miles when he, when he connects with it. So, uh-huh. uh, so, okay, well, cool. And instead of us jabbering on, we'll just, we'll just get right to it. Here he is, uh, Braves alum. Dan Ugla. The 0-1. High fly ball deep to left field. That ball is way in the air and way out of here. Grand slam Dan Ugla. And it is 9-6 Braves. All right, hey, Dan. Um, glad you're joining us here. Welcome to Behind the Braves. You doing okay today? Yeah, man, doing great, doing great. Happy to see you guys. Been a while. Yeah. I know, I know. This quarantine stinks. We're uh, we're even having to do our podcast over Zoom. So we, Ricky and I, can't wait to get back. And uh, we usually go out of the alumni lounge and hang out there. So we'll we'll have you back when things get back to normal here. Hopefully, after the first of the year. But um, hey, we wanted to have you on because you got uh, obviously had a had a great career. Um, you've got a a lot of history in the game, not only with the Braves but also the Marlins and. So we just kind of wanted to talk about this whole thing. You've been following the team much, watching watching this great team of ours. Yeah, man, they've been uh, they've been rocking and rolling. You know, it's been fun to seeing all these home runs and, and tons of offense and great defense and uh, and good pitching. So it's been a lot of fun just seeing everything kind of come together. Yeah, I mean, who would have thought that it would have come down to the Marlins series? I mean, you follow the Marlins. <laughs> like, I mean, how crazy has that been? I mean, they put together a pretty good team, haven't they? They have, they have. It was a little crazy uh, in the beginning with all the, all the positive tests that were going on down there. But they, uh, they reeled it in and, and you know, put together a good team down there, and they're playing well. Yeah, I was, uh, I was really surprised at. Um, well, I, I don't know. I mean, Don Mattingly's a great guy, and you know, of course, mm-hmm. he and Jeter come from uh, a lot of winning tradition and with the Yankees. So I'm not surprised. But yeah, it was kind of crazy. I guess you could say the same thing about us with how our season started out with guys, you know, kind of sketchy and pitchers getting yeah. hurt and 
so I think everybody had the big question mark, but it was it was kind of fun to see that the uh, the Marlins were there in the and of course they're still in the mix, so maybe they'll they'll pull it out and they'll get into the playoffs and and they'll do well. yeah. But yeah, uh, absolutely. Hey, I couldn't help but go back to 2012 and look at that crazy game that we experienced again with the Cardinals. So uh, <laughs> I noticed I forgot you were on second base. So yeah, got to know. Tell us a little bit about that. What was going on? You know, of course, we all know the infield fly rule. But tell us, tell us what you were doing and thinking when you were uh, when all that happened at, at second base. Yeah, well, I knew, uh, you know, we had some guys on and had a chance. We had our kind of the meat of the order coming up. You know, we had uh, BMAC coming up and uh, a few other guys. And uh, I, for, I forget who actually hit the the pop-up. I don't know if it was – Simmons. Yeah, so, okay, that's what I thought it was, Angleton. And I could tell right off the bat that, that it was in no man's land, you know, because, uh, you know, Holiday was playing deep, you know, trying to protect against – you know, extra base, extra base hit, and uh, you know, shortstop was just playing normal, and it was just one of those tweeners that was going to be really hard for either one of them to get. I was playing on uh, scoring on that uh, on that ball because I got a pretty good read on it, and uh, and then they called the uh, the infield fly. I was like, I was like, oh, uh, oh my god, oh my gosh, <laughs> what what happened there? <laughs> so. Yeah, and then, you know, it just it played out the way that it did. But that was, uh, man, that was one of the crazier moments in baseball I've ever been a part of. And, of course, it was Holbrook, Sam Holbrook, you know. Yeah. yeah poor. He's right up there with Angel Hernandez, right? In, in- <laughs> <laughs> he had a couple tough calls. I think he had a tough call uh, with that. Uh, I think it was uh, Trey, uh, the shortstop for D.C., running inside the – the baseline and called him That's out right. on a swing That's and bunt right. in the World Series. So yeah, tough times to call it, but you know, obviously he's trying to do his do the best he can out there, and you know, <laughs> yeah, it just doesn't go your way. I guess that's one way to put it. But uh, all <laughs> I, say is, I I hope we play the Cardinals in the first round because between last year and that nonsense, we, we we've got to just stop this stuff with the Cardinals. I don't know. What do you think, Ricky? I'm. I mean, we gotta I'll. Change, we got to change the course of history, man. Jeez. <laughs> I mean, I'll go. I'll go Pedro Serrano. The the whole chicken. I mean, whatever. I, I, whatever I got to do, I got to go outside and do a dance, sacrifice something <laughs> to the gods. I don't. Whatever it takes, I'm, whatever I'm it in. Takes. So I was actually. Yeah, I was. This was. I was still just a fan then, and wasn't working in the game yet. And I actually was sitting right along the third baseline. I mean, it, it, that. that happened right in front of me and it's still that's one of those images that's burned in my brain i still can't believe that happened but on a lighter note uh looking back um and thinking about my fandom and some of those fun times i had just being a Braves fan uh your hitting streak in 2011 i believe it was that was that was one of those things as a fan it was like like i'm i'm a diehard baseball fan so i'm always looking forward to the the braves game that day or that night but during yeah. that streak, it was like every day, like all those hardcore Braves fans are waking up, like chomping at the bit because it's like, like he's still got this thing going, man. Like, how far is he going to take this thing? And just that was just so much fun to watch. And I imagine, I know it had to be a lot of pressure, but it had to be a fun moment, fun time for you. I, first of all, how often do people still ask you about that? <laughs> uh, mostly uh, whenever someone comes up to me and wants to say hi or something, they, they usually bring it up. That was, uh, 
definitely one of the highlights of, of my career and one of the most fun stretches I've ever had. It was, you know, the, we were, we were playing well, uh, you know, the stadium was packed most of the time. Again, a ton of fans, everyone was into it. It seemed like it was, uh, you know, it's just, I remember almost every one of those hits and, and it was just, I was like, man, this is, we get it. We got to like the upper twenties. I was like, man, this thing is crazy. It's still going. And everybody's kind of coming together with it, but there wasn't any pressure on me, man. I was enjoying it and having fun. You know, I didn't mind talking about it. Um, but it was, man, I, we've given anything for that thing to last a little bit longer, but that was, a, that was fun. Yeah. Those streaks, that's gotta be some, um, that's such a, of course, baseball is a mental game anyway. And I've mm-hmm. always said, you know, and you, you know this better than I do, but hitting is so much more mental than pitching. Uh, all the things that you've got to do to stay, not only <clears throat> to hit around 250 to 350, but then you add in like a streak like that. Um, that's just got to be incredibly hard. But I was looking back at your numbers and I mean, for six years, you averaged over 30 home runs. Uh, which is amazing in itself. I think about you. I think about Fred McGriff, who did it. It had a record for a while. I think he had seven years of 30 more, 30 more home runs. Wow. Um, that, that's an incredible streak in and of itself. But do you think that somehow that would be different today? Do you think that the equivalent of 30 home runs is now 40? Do you view it that way? Or maybe it's equivalent to 35 or 25? I mean, I, I can't help but think I, – I see these pitchers' faces when they give up a home run. They're like, how <laughs> the hell did that ball go out? I mean, yeah. you, can't, you can't help but see that, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, last year those uh, – they even sounded kind of like more like golf balls than regular baseballs. But, <laughs> yeah. you know, but I wasn't playing. Uh, so, I, you know, who knows? Um, you can say it there, one twi- twi- tighter or whatever you want to say. I don't know. Um, everyone wants to speculate, oh, yeah, you know, they would have hit, you know, 10 more homers per year if they were playing at today's age. You know, I, I try not to look at it like that because you just don't know. I mean, the yeah. pitching – the pitching is a lot better today than it was five, 10 years ago. You know, the guys are throwing harder, more consistently. They've got better off speed pitches, um, you know, but yeah, so it's, uh, but these guys, you know, watching, watching Freddie and Azuna and, you know, just everybody just really locking in and, and hitting the ball well. I mean, Freddie's, I think near 350, something like that. And, you know, ton of RBIs, Azuna, same thing. So it's, you know, those guys are talented and, you know, the best in the world at what they do. So it's, uh, they make it look easy for sure. Freddie's got to be the NL MVP, right? Has to Does be. Does everybody here agree? Has right. Okay. Nobody's even, nobody's even close. Yeah. Well, it, it is interesting to see the talent. And I'm, I'm always in the back of my mind. I mean, of course, there was no front door front door cutter or slider back, you know, when, when you played. And I, I mean, they told us not to even attempt that. That was just, you know, crazy talk. And I mean, I threw changeups on both sides of the plate and that was kind of taboo to not throw righty a changeup. And I had, yeah. to, I had to, or I wouldn't have ever gotten a pitch, but it's just, it's just awesome to see uh, some of the evolution, but you're right. There are some things that are being done from an unorthodox uh, standpoint that you didn't have to look for you know, when you play, but maybe you look for more change-ups, you know, than, than they're seeing nowadays too. But I don't know. Yeah. Would you, how would you have handled the front door cutter? Uh, well, they, they, I was actually still playing when they were uh, 
when they started throwing that. And it was uh, it's a tough pitch to pull the trigger on, you know, because mm. it starts off the plate. And, you know, it's kind of like that, uh, for me, like that two-seam uh, sinker coming in from a lefty with two strikes. It kind of looks like it's going to hit you right in the hip, and it just, like, tails back over the corner of the plate. And that's kind of the same thing as a cutter. It's like, all right, it's a ball. I can't swing. Then it, then you see it coming back to the, towards the plate, and it's almost too late. So unless you're looking for that, uh, or just ready for it, like in the back of your mind, you know, you can fight it off or, uh, maybe put a good swing on it. But yeah, I didn't, it wasn't my favorite thing to swing up for sure. <laughs> um, I, I want to, and as, as Greg was telling you, and I can't remember if we, we might've been talking about this before we started recording, but I work with, uh, the brave social media team and on Twitter and all that good stuff. And, one highlight or gif that still shows up in the Braves mentions, and I love it when I see it. And it's six it's six years old now. Um, April 14th, 2014. I believe I've got the date right on that. Um, crazy game, Braves and Phillies in Philly. Uh, you hit a go-ahead grand slam in the top of the ninth <laughs> to win the game. And there is this classic shot of the Philly, of Phillies fans in the crowd. And they're making – Greg, I'm trying to think of how to best describe this. It's like if you were taking like um, – and uh, if you're chopping up uh, logs or something, and you're taking an axe, and they're all in unison going like, bring back this like this, and like making a chopping motion, like essentially like I guess they're trying to, it's like strike strike the guy out or something like that. Mm-hmm. And so and they're all smiling and happy, making this motion together, and they showed the replay of these fans right as Dan hit this this grand slam, and all of them just turn this way, like turn the other way. Their 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 smiles go to frowns. And you can read the lips of some of them mumbling some obscenities and whatnot. <laughs> that gif of that and that reaction shot or stills of that still show up. Braves fans six years later still use that all the time. So I'm just, Dan, I'm just curious. This is a weird specific <laughs> question, but do you still see that? Like, have you ever seen, like, how often have you seen that replay? Are people still bring that up at all? Yeah, man, I've, I've, I've seen it a lot. It's one of the funnier things that. That, uh, that I've seen when it comes to like fans, especially in Philly, because it was, uh, I mean, I was just kind of completely random. I, I don't think I was swinging the bat very good at that point. At that point, and then all of a sudden, I caught up to a slider and it went out of the park. But man, holy, that was uh, that's a good one, man. The, the Phillies fans were hilarious in that. There's nothing better than a fan like a New York fan or a Phillies fan because man, they are either on top of the world. Or they are below the world. I mean, there, there's, I played I played New York for three years, so there is nothing better. I mean, now they let you hear it, and then but they'll they'll dish it out and they'll take it because I mean, it's just, absolutely there's no middle ground, right? No, uh-uh. nope. It's it's one or the other. That's for sure. And I would imagine you you have one of the all time great baseball names, I believe. Um, but I would imagine <laughs> that you you had all kinds of heck and. People, they probably just, they probably, they probably got on you more. That meant they really liked you. I think so. I think so. Um, Cause they got on me a ton. Holy crap. They got on me a ton. <laughs> and, you know, I, I, I and instead of, you know, ignoring them, I'd always kind of turn around and give it back to them. I think they appreciated that and, yeah. and enjoyed yeah. it, you know, all in like a playful way, of course. But yeah, it was, uh, it was good times, you know, cause you, you strike out and then, They'll give it. They'll give it to you and just rip you a new one. And then later in the game, you hit like a go-ahead homer or something, and then you can you know you give it back to them. It's part of what makes the game great. In my oh opinion. my gosh! I told somebody. I've told this story a number of times. I played in L.A. and I also played in New York. 
And the best way to describe it is when you're in New York, they're screaming at you with the blood coming out of their face and they're (laughs) flipping you off and they're giving it to you. But in LA, they're doing the same thing, but with a smile on their face. Right. It's the only way to describe it. They're both they're both at you the same way, but one's smiling and one looks like they're about to ready to have a heart attack. <laughs> That's the truth. <laughs> they, have veins, they got veins coming out every in their foreheads in New York. They got all that sunshine in California. It's hard to hard to be mad over over there. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Is there, is there a time or an instance of a, like you going back and forth with a fan that sticks out to you that that was kind of the funniest or that was entertaining or is it all, all man there's so many there's not, not, there's, not um, there's a few fans out there that you know they were pretty regular at away stadiums that would you know we'd always have like a you know a few moments throughout the series and you know they'd be on me the whole time but there wasn't any specific uh, instances that like that I remember what they said or what I said or anything like that. Well, you have, um, speaking just of, you know, where you are today, I know you got a bunch of young kids and, and you're probably, uh, running around and what do you have? You have four or five kids? Yeah. Four kids, uh, 14, 12, five and three. So. Wow. You're busy and they're all young. So you're, you're going to gymnastics, cheerleading, golf, tennis, you're doing all that, right? All of it, man. It's nuts. They're starting to branch out and do some more sports too. They go through through volleyball in there this year. So, oh wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's good. Well, yeah. I, go ahead, Reed. I was yeah. I um, being on social media, like I try to keep up with obviously all current players and former players and former players' spouses and just just to see what everybody's up to and making sure we see everything that's going on. And I've loved following along, Greg. I don't know if you've seen this. Uh, quite possibly the greatest, I think, T-ball team ever is being formed right here in Atlanta because really? the, on this team, there's there's a, a, a last name Ugla. There's a last name Freeman. I believe uh, Ryan Howard. Yeah, Dan, Freddie, and Ryan Howard, they've all got kids on this team. Dan, are you are you one of the coaches of the yeah. team? The yeah, deal? yeah, I'm one of the assistant coaches, yeah. Holy cow, what a How stack, fun stack team. <laughs> No, it's, it's pretty crazy. It's like, oh, man, it's going to work out pretty good, you know, as soon as Freddie <laughs> and I had had boys together. You know, and Chip actually had had a, a boy at the same time as, as well. So, it was like, oh, it's going to be perfect. We had T-ball in three and a half years. Boys, get ready. And, uh, you know, Chip's obviously a little farther north, so they're uh, I'm sure they're doing their thing up there. But um, it was – and you guys know what kind of stud uh, Freddie's son Charlie is. Oh, man. So we're uh, we're excited. Just, we've had a couple practices and and it's it's been it's been a lot of fun for sure. Don't tell me they've got travel T ball now. <laughs> I don't. I hope it's not travel. I'm not ready for that yet. <laughs> Holy cow! That's got to be pretty fun. That that's gonna be like those softball games where they just nineteen to fourteen, right? Oh, absolutely. I, I was trying to figure out how it worked because you know. You know, Woods is is aggressive, my my boy, but at the same time, he you know he still hits the ball and then chases the ball out in the field instead of running to first. So it's like, man, how do you how do you have a practice with three four year olds? You know, <laughs> it's working though. Have, it's real fun. I might just have to come watch that just for <laughs> instead of <laughs> movies, right? That might be good. Was, to go it was crazy. We had like fifty people at our last practice. It was nuts. Oh my gosh. 
And did I did I see right? Does Ryan Howard have a, a child on the team too? Yeah, or? yeah, he has a, his daughter, uh, Lexi. She's okay. uh, she's on there. She's a player too, man. She's uh, she can hit the ball and she's she can run. So it's yeah, it's going good. Charlie, Charlie's a little bit ahead of the curve uh, with kind of knowing exactly what to do. Like he's fielding the ball, ready to throw it to first. He he knows to run to first and run to second and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, it, he's it, leading the charge right now. It is amazing to see the early bloomers, you know, the guys who, I mean, you know, of course we've all, I've had my kids play T-ball and then they went to coach pitch and trying to get them to stay still in the outfield or to field a position and not, you know, play with the ant piles and stuff. And then some kids, man, they come out and they throw, they know how to throw a second. They're hitting doubles and, you know, they just, they get it right off the bat. (laughs) I know. I was, I've been working with Woods and he, uh, he forgot that he was on offense. You know, he's running from somebody hit the ball and he's running from first to second. I was like, all right, good. He did good. He ran to second. I turned away and the ball was hit up the middle. I looked back and he is on top of this, uh, the shortstop trying to get the ball away from, I was like, no, get on the bag, you know, but it was, uh, I was like, I just turned around, and now you're on the ground. <laughs> yeah, that's the beauty of part of it, right? <laughs> that was awesome. That was so, made me made me so happy in a, in a weird way, you know. <laughs> well, you know, it's 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 funny how this stuff can pan out sometimes. Because I mean, I know we've had Andrew Jones on the show before, and hoping to have Jeff Blauser on sometime, and their their sons are playing together in high school, and it's just so. It's, it's oh, just, that's awesome! It's just amazing to me how both how these things can uh, become cyclical, or how the how small of a world it is, and like how two guys that played in the big leagues together now their sons play ball together in high school, and it's you never know this could be just the very beginning for for Woods, Charlie, and, and everybody. Absolutely, man! Absolutely, it's fun fun times for sure. Well, hey, some of my peers, their kids are in the big leagues. Charlie Liebrandt with the Marlins, his son. Oh yeah, um, Dwight Smith's son in Baltimore. Uh huh. And of course, you know Biggio and and uh, all those guys, Tatis, all those guys I played against. That's right. All breaking into the big leagues now, and um, that's that's guy. That's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is. It's it's really. I know that talking with uh, Smitty. He was so proud of his son. He got he actually got called up. He was with Toronto. He got called up when they played the Braves last year, the year before. I can't remember. And, uh-huh. um, and just man, he was he was beaming. And of course, Charlie's son actually uh, was released by Philly and then got um, picked up by the Marlins and then made the Marlins team this year. And boy, wow. that's, you know you're getting old when your kids are are getting. <laughs> the <pick. laughs> that's pretty cool, man. That's uh, pretty cool to see. Yeah. Yeah, I can imagine what that would be like. My my kids took different paths, but that's got to be pretty special. Yeah, yeah I can't. I, like I said, I can't imagine either. You know, kind of following your footsteps a little bit and kind of creating their own path and just to reach the, the pinnacle of the, the big leagues and, you know, and getting to experience that, that everything that yeah. the big leagues have to offer, man, and compete with the best in the world. Well, hey, I wanted to end with this because uh, tomorrow we're going to be unveiling our All-Star logo because the All-Star game is going to be in Atlanta next year, which yeah. is actually one of our All-Star ambassadors, which you you helped us with last year, and we're going to continue that for next year. But I would mm-hmm. just get your thoughts. You are a three-time All-Star and um, obviously a great player, and I just wanted to see if you had any All-Star 
memories that were pretty special and and I can't remember exactly which ones you were in or where they were played but with that coming up uh tomorrow and then next year on the all-star game give us a give us a cool uh, all-star memory that you have oh man there's nothing like all-star games uh I'm, I made the all-star team my first year uh uh, as a rookie and just being in the locker room with those guys, you know, the best players in the world. And I was like, I was really taken back and just try to enjoy as much as I could. Uh, I was in the home run derby in, in New York the last year that the stadium was there. And so that was probably the coolest moment that I've ever experienced, you know, getting to be in the home run derby in Yankee stadium with, you know, that many people there. And I mean, that's, was one of the, the just the the goals that you know as a as a player I wanted to try to try to do one year it just so happened it was uh New York so that was amazing and then uh we won the the last one in 2012 when I was with the Braves we won that last game and and um that was uh man that was a really cool moment as well yeah that's awesome how uh how uh, physically exhausting is the home run derby? Because I sit there and watch you guys, and I'm like, I don't know how they do this. This just looks – you got to be just tuckered out. <laughs> yeah, well, we were still doing the uh, the 10 outs thing when I did it. It looks it looks so much more exhausting um, uh, the way they do it now, even though it's, I like the way they do it now. It's so, so entertaining. But we, uh, we were in L.A. and took the red eye to New York that night. And the home run derby was that following night. So, you know, got an hour or two of sleep on the plane. Then you have press conference and you go to the field. And, shoot, I don't, I don't think we started till 8.30, 9 o'clock at night. But I, it, was, it was exhausting, man. I was cramping up a little bit. Uh, <laughs> I was like, this, no, don't happen right now. This, this, is, <laughs> this is the home run derby. You can't cramp up right now. But it was uh, – End up doing okay, but man, that was a cool moment watching Josh Hamilton hit all those home runs, and mm. and uh, I think Morneau ended up winning it. But that was a that was a pretty cool experience. Hey, you know, there's a secret for not cramping, right? It's not having such small body fat. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that must be why I never cramp ever. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> Well, this has been great catching up with you, Dan. I appreciate you being on and um, look forward to being with you again at the ballpark. And um, I know, you know, you're one of the uh, great alumni that we have here around Atlanta. So we uh, definitely appreciate you and and uh, look forward to seeing you again uh, as soon as we get out of this crazy stuff, right? Well, sounds good, guys. I really appreciate you guys. Thanks for having me on. Our thanks again to former Braves second baseman and all-star Dan Ugla for joining us here on Behind the Braves, presented by Billy Reed. That was a fun time chatting with him. And as Greg said there in the interview, I, he's another one we're really looking forward to. Uh, hopefully next year, once we're back in the ballpark, you know, God willing, uh, that we look forward to actually sitting down with in person in the alumni lounge. So looking forward to that. Um, gosh, a whole lot to talk about, Greg. First, first up, Last night, as we're sitting here recording this, last night uh, the Braves went back to back to back. They won their third straight NL East title. Um, 
the offense has obviously been incredible. The bullpen's been incredible. And the rotation has been just – they've been trying to just kind of make it up as they've gone along and to win your third straight division title with with one area of your team that's been kind of in flux throughout the season. I, I would argue that now as we're going to the postseason, there is at least some stability there. It's it's very – it's it's youthful to say the least, but I, I've, I've liked what I've seen so far. And, uh, hey, we're going to be in the postseason, so – you know, I'm ready. Um, just, and we got some other things we want to talk about too. I know we got fantasy camp we want to get into, but before we get into that, let's. I mean, your thoughts on? Uh, hey, we got it. We got the NL East title. Oh, I know. This is what I wanted to ask you. Obviously, the celebration has to be different because of COVID nineteen and protocols and all that. So we knew the celebration would look different. But despite that, I kind of saw from the attitude I was hearing from the team last night after that win and how they celebrated is that. This isn't. This is the year. Like, no, an NL East title isn't enough. We got to do more. We're dangerous. We're a good ball club. That was a quote from Snit. We're a good ball club. We're dangerous. And Freddie kind of alluded to it in some of his post game comments. It's like, yeah, you know, we celebrated, but maybe we'll save the big celebrations for a little later on. I really, really got that feeling that these guys are like, look, we're we're happy that we got the title, but this is not what we want to celebrate. We want to advance. We want to move forward. And I loved seeing that and hearing that. What What are your thoughts on on everything that transpired last night? Yeah, I think what you're seeing is a maturing uh, factor in the team on the team, and there there becomes a point where you know that your business was not just winning the division. The business is taken care of and and going on deep in the playoffs and winning the World Series. So I think when you have that perspective, there is a sobering effect to where, okay, yeah, I'm excited. It's good. It's a, it's my first step. It's not my last step. I think before, especially 2018, the team came out of nowhere and they won the division. They were not picked to win the division. 2019, there were um, <clears throat> some things that happened. There was a struggle. It was more of a grind and the team persevered and won it again. So I think they were excited. You know, when they say third time's a charm, I would say, you know, third time becomes, you know, starting to become old hat, you know, not in a bad way, but from the standpoint of like, okay, that's my first step. I was expected to do this. I was expecting personally to do it. And, um, and, but it's not enough. I'm not satisfied. So I'm not going to get too fired up about it. And I think that's what we started getting to the point with back in the nineties where, you know what, Hey, we're going into the season. We, we will win the division. And then we will we will win the National League Championship. And then we're going to get another crack at winning the World Series. And I think that was just our attitude. And I, th- I, think, I think it's a really positive thing. I don't think it takes away from their accomplishment. I don't think it takes away from their enthusiasm for the game. It's just one of those things where my business is not complete. And I'm not going to get fired up until my business is done. And so I, I like, personally, I like that. I would have hated to see them all going crazy, jumping in the fountain. And, and because to me, that would have, it would have just shown some immaturity to the point where it could hurt them. I think what you see from the Cardinals, um, they have that kind of swag, swagger. You know, they have that kind of maturity, like, you know what, we've been here. We're going to do it. We're doing it again. We're not going to be satisfied till we get to the, to the World Series. And, so that was good to see. I am excited about these young guys stepping up. Of course, you never know with the young pitchers exactly how they're going to handle the next step of pressure. 
meaning the next round of the playoffs. But from what we've seen over this season and last season, to see these three young guys step up and Bryce Wilson being the, the latest, man, what, a, what a, a positive thing to see. Ian Anderson led the charge. You know, three out of four, four out of five starts. He's getting ready to make another one. And he he looks in control. It's very encouraging. And then all of a sudden, who I was not a big fan of because of the way he was pitching, all of a sudden, Kyle Wright shifted his philosophy on how he's pitching. And, man, he has turned the corner quick. And so I've gotten real fired up about him. And then Bryce Wilson, for what we've seen, and he's had a tough role. You know, he's been up and down and in this role and in that role and really has not been able to settle down. It looked like he finally just said last night, you know what, I, this is my opportunity, and I've had a few, and, and I'm, I'm ready for those. I never know when there's going to be another one, so I better take advantage of this one. And, man, he pitched his butt off last night. He pounded the ball in, unlike I've seen him do, and he looked great. And I, I hearken back to that very first start in Pittsburgh that he had a couple years ago where I thought, man, who is this kid? He looks great. I have not seen that from him since until last night. And that was super positive. And I, I think you just never know when they get past the young jitters and they start to see their opportunities slip away. And they just said, you know what, now's the time. And then they just kind of mature a little bit to where they get back to relaxing and they've had enough failure, success to really kind of make them even keeled. But boy, I loved what I saw last night. I did too. And that's, you said it perfectly. Look, they're young, so you just don't know what, how they handle that next step. Uh, But speaking for me, I am very fired up and ready to watch it and excited to see it because I, I have, well, I already have so much confidence in Ian Anderson just from – and I know it's just one, it was just one start, but my thought was to make your big league debut against Garrett Cole and the Yankees and you go out there and you throw a one-hitter, that, that to me says a lot about your makeup. And, again, I, I hate putting it that way because it's just yeah. one start and you just, you just don't know. But to me still – Maybe part of it with him is, like, I've, I've heard so much about him. One of the reasons he was taken was not just his ability on the mound, but his makeup and his character. Um, and I feel like we so far we're, we're mm. seeing that come out in him in the way he's pitching. And even when he hasn't had his best stuff, he still grinded it out and still, for the most part, has kept the team in the game, which, again, we've said it before on Behind the Braves, and we keep saying it, with this offense and this bullpen – all, all we need out of our starters are just keep us in the game. Six innings, three or four runs, yeah. that's in the game for this team now. And as you've said before, as you, if you start advancing in the playoffs and you start facing some better starting pitching and opponents, then that number probably drops down to two or three runs in, in six innings, whatever. But with this offense, this offense can, can compete with, with anybody. It's the best Braves offense I've ever watched in my 30-some years watching baseball. Yeah. Best one I've ever seen. And there have been some good ones throughout those those 30 years. This one is just unreal. We've got at least two legitimate MVP candidates in Freddie and Marcel. I think Freddie is, to me, this is the year. He's been a guy that's like he'll always be in the top five, top ten of MVP voting. I think this is that year. It, it kind of reminds me of Chipper a little bit where it's like he's always – Probably, if nothing else, maybe not a favorite, but he might be in the conversation. He's been that top ten somewhere. 
1999, that was the year where it just everything kind of aligned for him. And I feel like that's what's happening with, with Freddie. Um, so, again, this offense, you've got MVP candidates, an offense that one through nine is just there aren't any, any weak spots. You've got a bullpen that, man, you've just got this crazy arsenal of weapons coming from both sides that, that with, with the, so much depth. So it all comes back to, listen, if you're start, the starting pitcher, we don't need you to go out there and be, uh, you know, Cy Young or anything. Just, just keep us in the game. And I really believe Kyle Wright to me is such a big factor in all of this because those last two starts, I mean, you already talked about it, but to me that he is such the X factor in all of this mm-hmm. because if that's the Kyle Wright that's going to show up in the postseason, man, yeah. I'm feeling really, really darn good about our yeah. chances, really darn good. And don't get me wrong, I know we need, because there's not as many days off this time around, you know, we're going to need four starters or we're going to need three starters and do a bullpen game or something. So – I'm not I'm not naive in thinking that we can get by with like a three man rotation or something. But, um, you know, if these guys are going to turn a corner and get hot, boy, now's the right time to be doing it. That's for sure. Well, there's something to be said for what Bryce did. He pitched against the, the team that has probably played us as tough as anybody, the Marlins, in a critical time where they're trying to stay in the hunt. And he pitches six shutout or five shutout innings. I mean – that was pretty amazing, um, but you're right. In the first series, we have to have two outstanding starts to win, uh, two out of the three. So you got to have at least you know maybe two or three pitchers. But the next round, you got to have three solid pitchers, and um, and then and like you said, even a fourth. So there's no getting around it. We've got to have we're going to have three basically three rookie pitchers pitching for us in the playoff game. And then you've got one, quote, veteran, which is, you know, uh, Max Freed, who's still not really a veteran. He's a young guy, even though he's pitching like one. So you've got this guy, young guy, leading the charge with three rookies. So, I mean, who knows? I mean, it's been so crazy. But the only thing, and you've said this a number of times, all you've got to do is keep this team close. If and, I'm, and when I'm looking at pitching – just if you give up one, don't give up two. If you give up two, don't give up three. If you'll just keep the game within one run, and I would say even two runs, and sometimes even three runs, this team is not out of it. It is flat-out amazing. And I don't care if we're facing Scherzer or if we're facing Hudson or if we're facing, you know, DeGrom. These guys, maybe DeGrom's different. We don't have to face him, thank goodness. But, but there's very few pitchers that you have to worry about um, that being the case. Otherwise, this offense is, is lethal. And these young guys just have to recognize if they can just minimize the damage, don't have the super bad innings where you're giving up five and six runs, then this team will find a way to win. And that's exciting because coupled with their defense, it makes it even tougher because you got to have them put the ball. And the biggest thing that we've seen is if guys can eliminate the walks – and they can make the other team put the ball in play, they're going to find a way to, to win the ball game with their bats and their gloves. Yeah. Well, and, you know, case in point, uh, Dansby, two nights ago now, the, for the first game of this Marlins series, only up by a run in the ninth, and the Marlins are threatening, and that huge heads-up play. Well, really, you got to shout out three guys because Melanson, it's a, it's a chopper off the plate, 
or in front of the play, and Melanson walking backwards, looking up straight in the air, off the mound, like down off the mound, which I don't care how long you've been a pitcher. I'm not never, I'm not a pitcher, obviously. I don't care how long you guys have been doing this. That can't be easy and routine. That's just an awkward walk away. I don't care how much you practice it. That's just an awkward motion to have to make and an awkward way I'd have to walk. So the wherewithal of him to be able to walk backwards down that mound, grab their catch the ball, throw it to Freddie, and then Freddie not just making a great throw, but making a throw to Dansby, who's mm-hmm. running. I mean, like a BB. football pass. Yeah. I mean, just just a strike right there, wait where it needed to be, and the heads-up play by Dansby to make that play. Um, it's funny. We're, we're, there's a, a video coming out today. I think it's part of, like, a, a sponsored deal with MLB where each team that clinches – uh, it's they're going to put out a video reel of like four or five top moments from that team season that helped them get there. And I was part of the process for deciding which moments go on that list. And um, and I had to sit there and think, am I being a victim of recency bias here? But I'm like, no, that play was the Marlins came into town with a chance to take this division away in a four-game series. And if they steal game one, and especially you steal a game in the ninth inning, like a late comeback like that, We've seen it on both sides for us. Yeah. We know how that momentum can work sometimes. That essentially, that that one play kind of just that, that stopped that rally. It stopped it. The games, the Braves went on to win the game. So I was like, that that play to me has to be included on this this top four or five moments list. Um, so there again, then that's, we didn't even talk about the defense earlier. We're talking about all the, or I didn't talk about the defense. Um, so yeah, I, I'm excited. Um, it, it's, it's, this is such a this is like one of the most cliche of cliche cliche things to talk about in sports but i think with this this team it's it's so true every sport every team talks about taking it one game at a time but i feel like in this 60 game season and with all of the just how our rotation was just completely decimated by injuries and and whatever else we've really had to take this season one game at a time and just each day like we there's days i've never seen so many times when you look at pitching matchups for the coming days, every day, it's like three days in a row, it'll be Brave starting pitcher, TBD. Brave starting pitcher, TBD. And that's what it's been like. And Snitz asked, like, like, well, who's – like, before one game, they're like, well, who's going to start for you tomorrow? It's like, well, we got to see how it goes tonight. I mean, that's how it's been. It's like, well, let's figure out how to win this game today, and then we'll figure out who's going to start tomorrow and how we win that one. Granted, I think there is some stability uh, with the rotation. I'm guessing it'll be freed uh, – Freed Anderson right probably. I, I don't know. That's just me speculating. But I feel like that mentality has won them their third title, that just going one game at a time, figuring out the starting as we go along. I think and I hope that that mentality will serve them well in the postseason and that because even me as a fan, I've gotten been victim, victim to it in recent years of looking past, not looking past the first-round opponent, but already thinking about, like, okay, if we do beat this team, then who could we possibly match up with and how will we match up with them? And I shouldn't be doing that as a – well, I guess as a fan, it doesn't really matter. But if a team or a player or a manager or anybody's thinking like that, then that is problematic, and I don't feel like mm-hmm. this team thinks that way even in the least. Yeah, I would agree. I, I think you've got to give Bryce another start on Sunday, which would be his fifth day. Because think about it, Cole Hamels, you were looking at him to start uh, and show positive movement. You were going to give him two starts last night and then Sunday. And and re- your only option is either Tomlin or Bryce Wilson. And I think they like Tomlin coming in behind. If Bryce can give you five, they'd rather have Tomlin coming in after him on a as a fourth starter. 
or or even a Matzik. I mean, Matzik's done uh, an unbelievable job too, as well. I mean, you you look at what Tomlin and and Matzik have done in that kind of middle relief role. I think they just need a body. And if Wilson's stepping up and saying, "I want to be that four starter," you've got two long guys that can fill the gap. But heck. He, I don't. He could have gone another inning, you know, last night. I think they wanted to show, get, you know, get take the positives out of it going around the third time. But I think you've got to get him another one if he can show that again that he's got to be your fourth starter in the in the playoffs. I think you nailed it. I think that's exactly what they do: is you <laughs> pencil him in as your fourth guy, and you know you've got Tomlin and Matzik right there with him. And Tomlin has thrived in that role. Well, he's Tomlin's pretty much thrived in whatever role Snit has put him in. But I feel like that is his best role. Is whether it's long relief or it is just an out or two that he needs. I feel like he's thrived with the Braves coming out of the bullpen. So I think, I think you nailed it. And um, I'm looking forward to it. And good for Bryce. I mean, we've been saying it. All season long, like the op- all these young guys, the opportunities are there for whoever wants to, whoever can step up and fill it. And here, as of late, we've had a few guys that have stepped up. So it's it's fun to watch, and it's going to be fun to watch moving forward. Um, hey, speaking of fun, uh, moving forward, we've got Braves Fantasy Camp, not just one edition this year. No, 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 because the first edition's already filled up, you know, and that one always goes quick. Um, if you haven't heard our Braves Fantasy Camp, episode from way back in January 2020, which seems like it was about 10 years ago now. Uh, that was one of the most fun episodes we've ever done of Behind the Braves. Uh, check that out, and you can get a better sense of what Fantasy Camp is all about. Um, but it's so much fun. It's always so popular. First one sells out quickly. This year you're doing a second week, another edition of Braves Fantasy Camp, and I know the spots in it are starting to fill up. So uh, just talk about I mean, This is the first time you've done two of them like this, right? Yeah, the, the plan all along was uh, to have a second week, and um, we tried to do it last year, and, and it just uh, then, you know, of course, or actually, we tried to do it this year, and it was going to be in November, but uh, with all the stuff that happened, we had to um, we had to cancel it. So this year, uh, we have decided to do back-to-back weeks in January, so that'll be for 2021, and right now, the January 19th to the 24th, is sold out and so we've opened up January 12th through the 17th and it's about half full right now so um, I just had some people sign up this week and and uh, people asking about it so I just figured I'd let our our listeners know that uh, we are doing that is on the website so braves.com slash fantasy camp you can go in there and check out the schedule for the 12th through the 17th it's very similar um, than it for as you know as the other as the other week uh, we will have uh, – I'm giving some of the alumni the option of coming back and doing – or doing both weeks. But I would say we'll have a, um, you know, a little bit different mix of alumni, but still some great – we've had alumni for years that have been trying to get into um, uh, fantasy camp. As a matter of fact, I just talked to Bob Warner uh, a couple of days ago, and he's asked me when, when when's fantasy camp going to be because he's ready to come down. And, of course, we have great uh, – alumni like Andrew Jones and Brian Jordan, Terry Pendleton, Sid Bream, Steve Avery, Denny Nagel. Um, this year we had Chris Medlin uh, for the first time. And, of course, you know, with Dan on, I've uh, been trying to get Dan to come down, but with the young kids, sometimes it's a little difficult to get away from week. But I'm definitely going to hit him up again and uh, see about uh, see about coming down this next year. And Kelly Johnson's another one, Pete Moylan, and – 
so I think all these guys, of course, they don't know a lot about fantasy camp because they're just getting out of the game. So they hear from these other guys when we get together for alumni Sunday, alumni weekend, and and they want they we start talking about fantasy camp. They're like, oh man, that's and even Frenchie, Frenchie uh, was going to come last year, couldn't, so I'm going to hit him up. And Paul Bird, and I mean, all these guys that we have, we've got unbelievable alumni that are associated with the Atlanta Braves and. And uh, so we we would definitely put on a good show. Just thankful we'll get the chance to do two weeks this year. And right now we're 100% committed and, and we'll have all the social distancing protocols and uh, keep everybody safe and all that kind of stuff. And uh, hopefully the, the landscape will be a little bit different. But if you can't social distance on a baseball field, then you can't social distance. So we're, we, we know we're going to make – and we don't have a huge group of people, right? It's, it's a select few that get to go and – uh, we, we have a huge, the whole complex to ourselves down in Northport, and it's just an absolute blast. The weather will be great, and uh, just look forward. Of course, you got to experience it for the first time this this year, and uh, so we'll, we'll, we'll do another podcast while we're down there in January. I, I literally, and this is not me blowing smoke, folks, I cannot wait to go back down there. I had so much fun just being there. Just the, I was only there for, I think, two days of it last year. And just being a spectator and watching it, and of course, recording the podcast was was great. But just getting to see what that's all about—it's so much fun. Um, and I just—I highly encourage you if you if you haven't heard about Fantasy Camp, like Greg said, go to the website Braves.com/slash/FantasyCamp. Check it out. Um, and I, I, again, I highly, highly recommend if you haven't listened to our live from fantasy camp episode came out in January of this year, I believe go back and listen to that because you'll get a great feel of what, of how much fun it is. We, if I remember correctly, we had two campers, two rookie campers who were there for the first time on the show. We had two campers who were veterans who have been there multiple times. And then we had two of the coaches slash Braves alumni that were on with us. And we had, we had Jay Howell and Marcus Giles, I believe were our guests. And both of those guys, yeah. it's a hoot. Uh, and not just on a podcast, just in general, anytime yeah. you're around them. So, and they'll uh, be back. They'll it, be back. They're, they're the life of the party. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I saw somebody's comment the other day on Twitter said, I know Marcus Giles now, and I can't imagine what he was like as a player and how much <laughs> energy he has because that dude gets it still. Can't even imagine what he was like when he was playing. He is exactly what you think. He is a ball of energy if there ever was, <laughs> for sure. Uh, so, yeah, definitely go check out the website and then and, and, – you know, if you're really getting interested, you're still not sure you can, you can contact Greg, uh, email Greg as well. And he can give you some more details on it, but, uh, it's just so much fun. I can't wait to get back down there. And again, you get to go to the new facility in Northport, the Bray spring training facility. And it's just, it's state of the art. It's, it's a great place to be. Uh, so I, I can't highly, can't recommend it enough. You'll, if you haven't gone before and you've been thinking about it, now's the time it's, it, you'll have the time of your life. Yeah. So. A lot of fun. All righty. Well, our thanks again to Dan Ugla for joining us here on Behind the Braves, presented by Billy Reed. Uh, we're looking forward to wrapping up the rest of this regular season now. That's got a few more games to go here and hopefully get everybody healthy, rested, and the rotation lined up the way we want it for the postseason. And then it's going to be wild. Postseason starts next week and 16 teams, a lot of teams that haven't been in the playoffs for in a while. And, uh, I got to tell you, as a fan of like March Madness and stuff, at least for this one crazy year, I'm looking forward to the the format this year. It's going to be a really, really fun uh, to see. And 
hopefully the Braves finally get past that uh, that that first round hump that we've we've been uh, after for twenty years now. I, I uh, you know, we're ready. We're ready. I, I listen. I could be wrong, but I, I feel like this is the year. And if I'm wrong, I'll say I'm wrong on the the sad episode of behind the praise after we lose, but I, I really don't, I, I got confidence that this is the year we break through. So looking forward to it. And thank you all uh, for listening and rating, reviewing, subscribing. Uh, we very, very much appreciate it. And uh, for Greg McMichael, I'm Ricky Mast. We'll see you next time. Hey, Braves country. We just wanted to remind you to rate, review, and subscribe Behind the Braves presented by Billy Reed on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Braves.com slash Behind the Braves, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you, and we'll see you next time on Behind the Braves. Okay. Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.